This Day in Church History The Reaper Cyrus McCormick's father dreamed of inventing a machine to harvest crops. He tinkered for years, but it was Cyrus who became famous for inventing the Reaper. Cyrus went to Chicago at age 38 with $60 in his pocket to open his factory. By age 40, he was a millionaire. He met a young lady from New York, Nettie Fowler. Nettie was striking, tall, graceful, with shining brown eyes. The radiance on her face, Cyrus learned, came from her relationship with Christ. They fell in love and married on January 26, 1859. Nettie was 26 years younger than Cyrus, and the couple enjoyed 26 years together. Cyrus's death in 1884 left Nettie wealthy beyond belief. What she did with what did she do with her money? She established McCormick Theological Seminary in Chicago for young Presbyterian ministers. She enabled John R. Mott of the Student Volunteer Movement to go to the ends of the earth to organize student missions. She helped form the World Student the World's Student Christian Federation. She contributed to evangelistic campaigns of D.L. Moody. She supported Willful, Wilfred Greenfell, missionary to Lab, Labrador, and George Livingston Robinson, archaeologist to Petra. She funded Tuscombe College in Tennessee and gave generously to educational efforts in Appalachia. She absorbed herself in Asia missions, and her house off Michigan Avenue in Chicago became a Christian halfway house between the Orient and the West, a center of international Christianity. It was always full of missionaries and overseas Christians. She improved the water supply in one country, provided a hospital in another, and Christian college in another. She built a women's clinic in Persia and a seminary in Korea. She sent archaeologists. Architectural machines, arg, <laughs> machines to India. She did it all in the name of Christ, but she never thought of herself as a great giver. Others, she felt, did more. She could give more. She could give money, but the greatest gift of all comes from the self-sacrifice and devotion of missionaries. She said, "You can tell where people's hearts are by looking at their check stubs." Jesus says in Matthew, don't store up your treasures on earth. Moth and rust can destroy them and thieves can break in and steal them. Instead, store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy them and thieves cannot break in and steal them. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. Matthew 6, 19 and 21. Good morning, good morning. Today is the, what is today? The 26th day of January. It is Friday. It's uh, 60 degrees, mostly cloudy out there, and it looks like uh, of mostly cloudy skies today with a high of 71 degrees. Pretty warm again for this time of year. Let's pray and we'll get into our lesson. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, the account of this uh, woman, Lord, your servant that uh, just used uh, the resources that you provided, Lord, to further your kingdom in all sorts of magnificent ways, Lord. And we're so thankful for that and, and that kind of heart, Lord. And we just ask that you put that uh, type of heart in us as well, Lord. Just a heart of, of uh, servanthood, a heart of uh, stewardship, 
with your resources, Lord. And Father, we just ask that you be with us right now as we get into this lesson. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, look again and consecrate. Consecrate by Oswald Chambers. If God so clothes the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you? Matthew 6, 30. A simple statement of Jesus is always a puzzle to us because we will not be simple. How we can maintain the simplicity of Jesus so that we may understand him by receiving his spirit, recognizing and relying on him and obeying him as he brings us the truth of his word. Life will become amazingly simple. Jesus asked us to consider that if God so clothes the grass of the field, how much more will he clothe you if you keep your relationship right with him? Every time we lose ground in our fellowship with God, it is because we have disrespectfully thought that we knew better than Jesus Christ. We have allowed the cares of this world to enter in, Matthew 13, 22, while forgetting the much more of our Heavenly Father. Look at the birds of the air, Matthew 6, 26. Their function is to obey the instincts God placed within them, and God watches over them. Jesus said that if you have the right relationship with him and will obey his spirit within you, then God will care for your feathers too. Consider the lilies of the field, Matthew 6, 28. They grow where they are planted. Many of us refuse to grow where God plants us. Therefore, we don't take root anywhere. Jesus said, if we would obey the life of God within us, he would look after all other things. Jesus Christ, did Jesus Christ lie to us? Are we experiencing the much more he promised? If we're not, it is because we're not obeying the life God has given us and have cluttered our minds with confusing thoughts and worries. How much time have we wasted asking God senseless questions while we should be absolutely free to concentrate on our service to Him. Consecration is the act of continually separating myself from everything except that which God has appointed me to do. It is not one, a one-time experience, but an ongoing process. My continually separating myself and looking to God every day of my life. Wisdom from Oswald Chambers, Jesus Christ can afford to be misunderstood, we cannot. Our weakness lies in always wanting to vindicate ourselves. Wow. And our scripture for today is Matthew 27, out of the Transfiguration. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And his appearance changed dramatically in their presence, and his face shone with heavenly glory, clear and bright like the sun, and his clothing became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with Jesus. Then Peter began to speak and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good and delightful and auspicious that we are here. If you wish, I will put up three sacred tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased and delighted. Listen to him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them and said, 
get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were going down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, do not do not tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Then why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He answered and said, Elijah is coming and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. And they did not recognize him, but did to him as they wished. The Son of Man is also going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he had spoken to them about John the Baptist. When they had approached the crowd, the man came up to Jesus, kneeling before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, moonstruck, and suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they were not able to heal him. And Jesus answered, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked, Why could we not drive it out? He answered, Because of your little faith, you lack your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God. For I assure you and most solemnly say to you, If you have living faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and if it is God's will, it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind of demon does not go out except by prayer and fasting. When they were gathered together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed and handed over to men who are his enemies, and they will kill him, and he will be raised from death to life on the third day. And they were deeply grieved and distressed. When they arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the half-shekel temple tax went up to Peter and said, Does not your teacher pay the half-shekel? Peter answered, Yes. And when he came home, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do earthly rulers collect duties or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? When Peter said, From strangers, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are exempt from taxation. However, so that we do not offend them, Go to the sea and throw in a hook, and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take it and give it to them. Pay the temple tax for you and me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your amazing word, and Lord, this amazing account of you being glorified. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you help us to to follow suit, Lord, and uh, just this lesson of paying tax, paying what's due, Lord, and also, wow, the, through through uh, your servant Oswald, Lord, uh, and we waste so much time seeking vengeance, Lord, when its vengeance is yours, justice is yours, Lord. So, uh, Lord, that certainly hit home with me with this insurance uh, battle going on here, Lord, and just uh, resolve that uh, in my heart, Lord. This uh, injustice and Lord we know you've got it Lord just putting it in your hands and Lord we know you're going to provide uh, whatever we need Lord just as you provide for clothing and food and everything we thank you Lord for providing for us Lord we just ask that you be with us today Lord, be with 
honor you and glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all today. You guys have an amazing